0: The story of Joseph and his reconciliation with his brothers, in my opinion, at any rate, is one of the greatest stories in the Bible about restoration and reconciliation, and the process that's involved in that. Key to bringing about reconciliation is repentance. And that's what we will be talking about today, repentance, a true change of attitude A change of thinking, a change of action. I came across a joke that illustrates this, so I thought I'd share it with you, just for the sake of starting us off with some humor. Uh, A man named John received a parrot as a gift. This parrot, it turned out, had a bad attitude, and even a worse vocabulary. Every word that came out of the parrot's mouth was rude and obnoxious and laced with profanity, and John tried to change the bird's attitude by consistently playing only polite, uh, or, or playing soft music and consistently making sure the parrot just heard polite words and, and uh, anything else he could think of to clean up this bird's vocabulary. But nothing seemed to work. And finally John was just fed up with his parrot and he yelled at the parrot and the parrot yelled back at him. And John took the parrot and shook him, and the parrot got angry and even more rude and even more vulgar and profane. And so finally, in desperation, John grabbed that parrot, and he threw him in the freezer, shut the lid. (laughs) And for a few minutes, the parrot squawked and kicked and screamed, and then suddenly it was totally quiet. Not a peep was heard. And over a minute went by, and just wasn't the peep. And so fearing that maybe he had hurt the parrot or whatever, John quickly opened the door to the freezer, opened the lid of the freezer, and the parrot calmly stepped out onto John's outstretched hand, and and he said, uh, the parrot said, I believe I may have offended you with my rude language and actions. I'm sincerely remorseful for my inappropriate transgressions, and I fully intend to do everything I can to correct my rude and unforgivable behavior. And John was just stunned, (laughs) just stunned at the change in this bird's attitude. And he was about to ask his parrot what what had made such a dramatic change in his behavior. And the parrot spoke up very softly, may I ask what the turkey did? (laughs) (laughs) So the passage we want to look at this morning is the passage that Bonnie just read. Uh, Genesis 44, verse 18 to 34. And we're continuing on in this story of Joseph and his brothers restoring their relationship. That had been a relationship, as you know, that was severely broken when, obviously, the brothers hated Joseph and were jealous of him because he was a favorite one, and they were going to kill him, but they didn't. They changed their mind and sold him to some traders who brought him down to Egypt and sold him as a slave there. And so yeah, now they're coming back together. Uh through this famine, and God is bringing them back together, bringing the brothers back to Egypt to buy food, and Joseph is now second in command in all the land of Egypt, and so it's a, it's a great story of, of the restoration and reconciliation between Joseph and his brothers. So as he said, and as Bonnie mentioned, this is kind of a, a four-part mini-series within our larger series of going through the book of Genesis. Uh, so right now we're in a section of dealing with that, so we're, it's kind of a little mini-series about Joseph and his relationship with his brothers, and uh, it has been severed, obviously, and it's the story, this four-part miniseries on restoration or reconciliation. We've already done the first two parts. Uh, The first was coming face-to-face with our sin, and to the place of having to admit to our sin, and having to deal with our sin. The second is repentance. But repentance has to be real. It has to be genuine. And it always involves a change of attitude and a change of thinking and a change of action. So there will be tests to show if the repentance is genuine or not. That's what we looked at last week. If you remember in chapter 43 verse 18 through 44 verse 17, that was the section we were in last week. uh, These brothers of Joseph were tested in these three areas to show whether their repentance was genuine or not. The test of actions, the test of attitude, and the test of affections. The test in the area of action came when these brothers were entrusted with the charge of Benjamin on the trip down to Egypt and back. Now remember Benjamin has in a sense replaced Joseph in the family. He was also the son of Rachel, the beloved wife of Jacob, the father. Rachel, remember, had born two sons, Joseph and then Benjamin, and she died giving birth to Benjamin. Rachel was Jacob's beloved wife, the other brothers were sons of other women. And Joseph was favored over the other brothers, and he made it obvious. And now, Benjamin. Now that joseph is gone, Benjamin is the one that's kind of taken Joseph's place, and is favored by Jacob over the other sons. So it's kind of the same circumstances that caused the brothers to hate Joseph. And now, this test came, how would they treat Benjamin now when they got him alone? Remember what they did to Joseph when they got him alone, <laughs> 22 years earlier? Had there been a change in actions, they're now entrusted with Benjamin on the trip to Egypt and back. What are they going to do? The test in the area of attitude came at the meal, which we looked at last week, Joseph served to his brothers. Before, their attitude toward Joseph had been one of supreme jealousy because Joseph was favored over them. And because of the fact that Joseph, to show the favor to them, was given this coat of many colors. And now at this meal that Joseph is serving to his brothers, they still don't know it's Joseph. But Benjamin was deliberately favored over the other brothers. That he was given five times as much food as his brother brothers were. I think Joseph was closely watching. Had there been a change of attitude? Or did that jealousy still exist? And the test in the area of affection came with Joseph's silver cup being placed in Benjamin's sack. And again, we looked at this last week. As Joseph remembered his brothers, they were selfish and full of hate. They had hated him. In fact, they hated him so bad, they couldn't even speak to him on friendly terms. They hated him so bad, they had deliberately plotted to kill him. So, when Joseph's silver cup was found in Benjamin's sack, Joseph said the rest of the brothers could go home to their families with the food. But Benjamin, the guilty one, had to stay and be his slave. So how would the brothers respond to that situation? Had there been a change in affection? 22 years ago, they would have jumped at the chance, or they did jump at the chance to get rid of Joseph because of their hate. Now, did they love their brother Benjamin enough to help him in his time of trouble, to stand with him in his hour of need? So these are the tests of repentance, as we saw last week, and they will be ours. We will, when we repent, be tested as well in these three areas to show whether our repentance is genuine or not. So that brings us to the third step in this process of reconciliation, and the third of these mini, of this four-part mini-series, which we're looking at today, which is the proof of repentance. So last week was a test of repentance, this week the proof of repentance. We left Joseph and his brothers in a state of high tension last week. Um, Joseph's silver cup had been found in Benjamin's sack, and Joseph told his brothers that Benjamin would have to stay and be his slave and the rest could go home with food for their families. That's where we left off. So I can imagine you've been chewing your nails all week. Just wondering what's going on. What's going to happen in the story here? So let's go through the story of this passage and then we'll look at what it means to you and I. Upon Joseph's words that Benjamin must remain in Egypt as a slave, the rest of you go home, Judah stands up to speak. And we saw last time that Judah, in effect, has become the spokesman for the rest of these brothers. So Judah steps up, and he launches into an eloquent speech, a plea that is almost unparalleled in scripture. So, as you follow along, you can see that firstly Judah reminds this leader of Egypt, it's Joseph, but the brothers don't know that. Uh, he reminds this leader of Egypt, why Benjamin, the one who's in trouble, why he's even there in the first place. And notice how courteously, cur- courteously Ju- Judah talks to this ruler, and respectfully, He says, and I'm paraphrasing here, he says, You asked last time about our family, whether we had a father and a brother. And we told you we had an old father and a young brother, the child of father's old age. And then you said to us, Bring the young brother back next time so I can see him, so I can know if your story is true. If you don't, you won't be able to trade in the land. And then Judah goes on, We we went back to our father, and we told him what you had said. And the time came again when we were out of food. And we had to come back to Egypt for more grain. And Father told us to go back. But we reminded him of the fact that we couldn't go back without Benjamin. And then Judah explains. He, there as he goes on. He explains to this ruler exactly what Benjamin meant to his father. Verse 27 and following. Jacob's beloved wife Rachel bore him two sons. One went out from him and never returned, and Jacob thinks that wild animals tore him to pieces. Benjamin's the only one he has left of the children of his beloved wife Rachel. And if harm should come to him on the journey to Egypt and back, father will go down with his gray hair to Sheol, which is the place of the dead. Get that down to verse thirty and thirty one. I can almost almost hear Judah pleading, Sir, if I go home without Benjamin, my father will die. He will die in grief. Sir, dad's life is wrapped up in the life of Benjamin. He will die in sorrow if Benjamin doesn't come back with us. And then, finally, to the climax of his appeal, Judah suggests an alternative to solve this dilemma, verses 32 to 34. He informed this ruler that in order for Jacob to even allow Benjamin to come, Judah had offered himself a surety for Benjamin. If harm befell Benjamin, Judah would be personally responsible and bear the blame forever. And the solution Judah offered there verse 33 is, is staggering. He didn't plead for mercy. He didn't beg that the ruler forget about the silver cup. Instead, he said to the ruler, Please let me remain instead of Benjamin to be your slave, and let Benjamin go back home with his brothers. Judah. Judah, this, this one who, 22 years earlier, when they were getting rid of Joseph, had said in the presence of then young Joseph, with coldness of heart and hate and jealousy in his voice, what does it profit for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. That's back in chapter 37, verse 26. What a change in Judah. Now, Judah's past life has been anything but commendable. Uh, It's been quite the opposite. We've seen that as we've gone through the story of Genesis. After being the ringleader and selling Joseph to the Ishmaelites, we saw the story of how Judah kind of left home and took up with the Canaanites. He he didn't do right by his daughter-in-law. Actually committed adultery with her and had a set of twins by her. But now, Judah, a change. we see a change man. Verse 34, Judah goes on to say, How can I go back home and face my father if Benjamin isn't with us? I can't bear to see my father's sorrow. What a change. 22 years ago, he couldn't have cared less about his father's sorrow. But now he can't bear it. As I said, this plea of Judah is a very moving story. And I think we see in it a perfect summary of the change that has been wrought in these brothers' lives. And I think we see here that we have all the proofs of repentance necessary to satisfy anyone. Repentant people always exhibit a change in their lives. And we can see this by looking at the new perspectives exhibited by Joseph's brothers that demonstrate the genuineness of their repentance. Well, just a couple of them. First of all, New perspective. First of all, a thoughtfulness of others. A thoughtfulness of others. As we look at this speech of Judah's, we can see that there is no selfish motive coming out of it at all. Judah was not thinking about himself. He was thinking about his father and his youngest brother, Benjamin. He would rather be a slave in Egypt for the rest of his life than to see his father suffer. And he would rather give himself to be a slave than to see his younger brother Benjamin enslaved. He's exhibiting a great thoughtfulness of others. Thoughtfulness, that's something characteristic of repentant people. As you know, repentance involves change. One of the changes that takes place when a person is repentant is a move from selfishness to unselfishness. And a thoughtfulness to others. Flip over in your Bibles for a minute to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says there, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. The Apostle Paul is saying there that This attitude, this unselfish attitude of being thoughtful of others and putting others ahead of yourself is something that should be characteristic of the people of God. Characteristic of Christian people who are hopefully repentant people. Unrepentance is in essence selfishness. It's a state where you are thinking more of yourself and only of yourself. You're not thinking about others. And so when repentance comes, there comes with it a thoughtfulness of others. It's a sign or a proof of repentance that the repentance is genuine. So these brothers here showed a genuine thoughtfulness of others which showed them to be repentant. And then, secondly, a self-sacrificing attitude. A self-sacrificing attitude. This speech of Judah's reaches its climax, of course, in verse 33. When Judah offers to take Benjamin's pl- Punishment on himself so that Benjamin could go free. It's a very touching scene. He had changed so much from the way he had dealt with Joseph 22 years earlier. It was a complete turnaround. He exhibits a self-sacrificing attitude. Jesus said in John chapter 15 verse 13, Greater love is no one than this, than one laid down his life for his friends. And here we see Judah displaying that kind of love for his brother. With repentance, again, comes a change from selfishness to unselfishness. Unrepentant people would never offer themselves for the sake of others. But with repentance comes a self-sacrificing attitude. Well, these brothers passed the repentance test with flying colors. And we can see readily that from the self-sacrificing attitude they exhibited, and from the thoughtfulness of Benjamin and their father. Just to continue on in this uh, area of self-sacrifice, isn't Judah here a beautiful picture of what Judah's greatest descendant, Jesus Christ, would one day do? Jesus Christ came from the line of Judah. Jesus came as from God the Father to this world to save us as humans. His mission was to provide a way of salvation that could restore us, reconcile us to the Heavenly Father. To do that, he gave himself, he sacrificed himself on the cross to pay for our sins that we could go free. And So Judah, in doing this, stopped sacrificing himself for Benjamin. A beautiful picture of that, of what Jesus would one day do. Now, let's go on in that vein of thought for a bit. If Benjamin had flatly refused that offer of Judas, there would have been nothing anyone else could do. Benjamin would have had to stay and be a slave, be Joseph's slave. The offer would have been made for nothing. Likewise, if we flatly refuse the offer that Christ gives and don't accept him as our Lord and Savior, there's nothing anyone can do. We remain enslaved by sin and will never meet with our Heavenly Father. We would then spend eternity separated from God in hell. Jesus Christ sacrificed himself. He died in our place. And the ball is now in our court. And upon repenting of our sin and placing our faith in Jesus and accepting him into our lives, we're given a new life and an eternity in heaven with him. So this whole story of Joseph and his brothers is a great picture of that truth, of that spiritual truth. So therefore this morning we see the proofs of repentance in this passage. And the brothers passed the tests of repentance with flying colors. Test of the change of action? Yeah, they passed that test. Test of the change of attitude? For sure. Change of affection? Oh yeah. Their love for their brother and their love for their father now is stark contrast to what it was before. And the genuineness of their repentance was proved by their changed perspective on things. There's now a thoughtfulness of others. There's now a self-sacrificing attitude there. So what about you and I this morning? Sermon, no sermon is really any good (laughs) if it doesn't cause us to search our own hearts and to apply it where it needs to be applied. Are there sins for which you're unrepentant? And your unrepentance is exhibited in a selfish attitude, selfish behavior. The only way out is repentance. If it is genuine, there will be a change in your attitude. Your attitude will change from basic selfishness to unselfishness. It's only you can answer that question. I, I don't know the answer to that. Only you do, you and God. So I encourage you to examine your hearts. Where are you at? The answer to so much is repentance. True, genuine repentance. Let's just take our moment of silence again. I'll just leave you and your God together alone, alone together just for a few moments. What What is God saying to you, to me, this morning, personally, No one else, just me. What's God saying? Give you a few moments and allow God to speak to your heart.